got to think about how I want to do this. Okay, so get rid of that. Now I'll switch to this one. Hooray! Great. Okay, so round two. Uh, round one, I just want to get you hooked, get you excited. Tonight, round two, it's going to be all boring. And then round three, it's a lightning round, and you'll never even know a sermon happened. That's not true. <laughs> I take this very seriously. Um, there we go. Okay. Uh, but first, as a sidetrack for this, so as, a, as a side note to get into this one, I want to introduce you to some people who are very, very special to me. I know I've mentioned plenty of times about Wisconsin and how my time was there and what I did there. These people are the people I was there with. There are 32 faces in this photo. I am one of them. And uh, I love these people very much. They are my family. They are my siblings. Um, 15 guys, 17 girls, uh, a year just doing Bible courses and uh, really getting into what faith is all about. It's phenomenal. And uh, not all of them continued on to Philadelphia Biblical. Uh, a lot of them went their separate ways, um, went to work, uh, make a name for themselves as musicians. Some got married. Uh, but we always managed to keep, keep in touch. We always managed to uh, get back together as many as we can. Uh, and it's just, oh man, I could tell you stories for hours about people. Uh, sadly, this isn't what I'm up here tonight to do, <laughs> as much as I would love that. So, um, I'll just dive right in. Uh, we're in Titus chapter 2, and I hope I have my bookmark at the right spot. Of course I don't. So, Titus chapter 2. There we go, Titus. Okay, great. Now, Titus chapter 2. I'm titling this Community Within and Without. And we'll see why. But, naturally, context, context, context. Got to remember, just a quick review of what's happening so far in the book of Titus. We know that Titus is on the island of Crete. Uh, and he's been instructed by Paul to appoint elders over the Cretan church. Uh, the job of Titus and these elders is to teach sound doctrine and refute bad doctrine, namely the doctrine being taught by a group of Jewish Christians called the Judaizers. They were teaching that to be a Christian especially if you were a Gentile Christian, you need to obey the law of Moses and uh, be circumcised. Paul's method for this is starting to be detailed in chapter 2, and I call it the top-down method. Paul teaches Titus. Titus teaches the elders. Together, they teach the people. And the people teach each other. And then from there, 
the whole purpose of this is to build up the community. And I put this in caps and bold because this is important. We're going to be coming back to this. So digging into uh, the text in chapter 2, verse 2. I hope I don't unplug anything by accident. Um, I'm not using this. So I'll just okay. I'm trying something new this time so I can see what is going on on the screen and not have to turn away from you guys. So I'm still adjusting, uh, kind of like getting into a new car, you know. Um, so teach the older men, verse 2. This is Paul's first uh, instruction to Titus as to what to do from the top down. He says, teach the older men. And he says to, to teach them to be temperate, which means to be moderate, mild, restrained, sober, reasonable, and modest. Kind of uh, just an understanding gentleman. It's kind of the impression I get. He, te- he says, teach them to be worthy of respect. The NAS says that they should be dignified. When I think dignified, I think of... Uh, some haughty totty rich guy with a monocle kind of thing, like, oh, hello. I don't know. That's just what I saw when I, that's what I thought of when I saw Dignified, but whatever. Um, but then he says that they should be sound in faith, love, and endurance. And it's interesting because this sounds a lot like the requirements that Paul said the elders are supposed to have in chapter one. So, that's why it's kind of, I see it as cascading down, because even if these elders are being appointed as a leadership role, it doesn't mean that they're the only ones who are to have the qualifications and have the characteristics in the church. Paul's telling Titus that the, teach the older men to be these things, too. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 6, where Paul tells Titus to encourage the young men to be self-controlled. I have urge up here on the screen. Urge is uh, what the NAS says. But it's interesting because it doesn't say teach. Paul says to urge, to encourage. Every other, every other uh, demographic, I guess you can say, Paul says to teach them. But here, Paul says to urge and encourage. The young men are to be led by example so that they, in turn, can lead by example. Their their example is the integrity of teaching by the older men, by the elders, and by Titus. This teaching comes through as it's quoted um, in verse 8, in soundness of doctrine... uh, and uh, in verse 7, to back up, in integrity uh, and seriousness, soundness of speech. Uh, that was verse 7 into verse 8. Uh, and this is, this is how Paul is building up from the top down. Uh, in a sense, he's saying the actions, the actions of, the old, of, the, um, of the older members of the congregation will provide, will speak louder than their words of teaching. It's, it's demonstrating that they're actually doing these things that Paul has instructed Titus to do, and Titus is doing the things that he was... 
don't know if that came out right. Titus is doing what Paul instructed him to do, and the elders are doing what Titus instructed them to do. And so since they're seeing, since since the young men are seeing this being acted out, there's reason for them to say, oh, hey, this is working for them, so maybe I should do this too. They're being urged to do this. They're being shown to do this. They're encouraged to do this. And it's not just encouraged like, hey, you can do this too, pat on the back kind of thing. It's like, it's a, it can even be a nonverbal kind of encouragement. Like, oh, this is working. That kind of gives, that would give, seeing that working for somebody else would give me encouragement that, oh, that works. I, I think I can do that. And so that's, we're starting to see more detail on, this, on the local church level now, how the top-down works in that the older men are taught by the elders and the younger men are encouraged by the older men. Now we backtrack back to verse 3. I only, I only jumped ahead because when Paul's writing uh, up to the women, he follows the old, instructing the older women with the younger women, and I felt that it made more sense to go from older men to younger men. That's the only reason I jumped ahead, because if I saw it as flowing and making a better uh, point, at least to me. Um, so we jump back to verse 3, and he says, uh, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent, to be reverent in the ways they live, not to be slanderers or, adult, uh, or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So, um, just as a, as a note, um, I kind of like the verbiage that the NAS uses in this verse. Uh, it says malicious gossips. I, I kind of, and you read that, you kind of feel the bite in in the in the tone of it. You know, uh, not teach them to not be malicious gossips. And this kind of also plays back into the leading by example kind of thing. It's it's really easy for uh, talking to get out of hand. Uh, I mean, I remember in high school, I always tried to keep my nose in a book and keep my ears shut just so I wouldn't have to hear what people were saying. But I know uh, talking happens, talking gets out of control. Um, what does James say about it being a fire, I think? Uh, the one spark creates a wildfire. So the older women are to be taught to be these things so that well, why? Okay. Why are they being taught these things? Well, it's so that they, the older women can then train the younger women to be certain things, to do certain things. Uh, in verses 4 uh, through 5, Paul says, Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home and to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. 
I kind of, ooh, my bad. I narrowed it down that they should, to, um, for the younger women to love their family in general, their husbands and their children, it just means that their entire family, but, um, you know, to be self-controlled or sensible. Um, I don't know if I touched on this, but in um, the idea of being self-controlled and sensible is something that Paul applies to the younger men also. Um, he says, verse 6, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Self-controlled, sensible, uh, down-to-earth, have their wits about them in a sense. You know, be, be wise as to what they're doing and thinking and saying and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so, Paul says, teach the older women to be such so that they can then, in turn, can teach the young women to be such. Now, the, uh, the elephant in the, in the room in this verse, I, I, I kind of had to laugh. I had a good laugh as I was preparing for this when I got to um, verse 5, where Paul says, busy at home. I feel like I'm stepping into a landmine, a minefield, but... Busy at home isn't the sense in go clean the dishes, make me a sandwich. It's more like idle hands are the devil's tools. So it's not like this um, degrading kind of busy at home. It's more like keep your mind and hands occupied so you're not going to fall into being malicious gossips or getting into things that you shouldn't be. And thus falling back to, so the word of God may not be maligned, uh, as uh, verse 5 says at the end. You know, the older women are to be taught so that they can in turn teach the younger women so that the word of God will not be maligned. Now, Paul has reasons. Paul gives his reasons now uh, in... Uh, verse 11 is we're, we're gonna, I'm actually going to jump down to verse 11. I'm going to skip this week verses 9 and 10. I'm going to come back to them next week uh, for reasons you will see. Um, so jumping down to verse 11, Paul gives his reasons. Okay, he says in verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Because God's grace has appeared, meaning Christ his life, death, and resurrection has come, Paul says, you are to teach these things by example. You are saved. You are new. You are different. This is why you should be doing these things. This is why you should be teaching these things. God's grace teaches us. Verse 12. Uh, it, te it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I'm going to stop there. If you're wondering, I'm reading from the NIV. I just realized that I didn't mention that. Um, but I like how it, it's pretty straightforward. It says, it, God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. These things just 
from our salvation, these things just come out. It, it just, it works, they work themselves out in us because of our salvation, because we have God's Spirit within us. And this is also, um, it kind of hails back to something I mentioned in uh, the other week from chapter 1, is that um, the, the, the difference between uh, how the Jew, uh, these Judaizers were uh, emphasizing that the law needed to be obeyed, that in order to gain righteousness, you need to fulfill the law. You needed to be circumcised. Well, Paul, you know, I've mentioned the idea of heart circumcision, that it is something within our hearts that is changed, that makes us different, that brings the distinction between us and those still living in the world. That idea of heart circumcision is what brings, is what comes out, which, um, from which these things come, the sensibility, this righteousness, and this godliness, the, the integrity to say no to, as verse 12 says, ungodliness and worldly passions. And so my favorite part is why this has to do with you. And so, just like last week, all God's people said, so what? You guys, okay, so you pick up a hymnal and we have a reading response. And in unison, everybody loud and proud and all together, you read back just fine. So all God's people said, Yay! You did it! Okay, so what? Okay. The top-down method that I describe as Paul's method is based upon relationships. The, Titus has a relationship with Paul. Titus has a relationship with his elders. The elders and Titus have a relationship with their, I'll call them parishioners. Uh, these parishioners have relationships within themselves and amongst themselves. These myriad relationships make up a community. You, in and of yourselves, are a community. At your work, you're a community. In your homes, you're a community. It's all about relationship, and it's all about community. Because this top-down method is based upon community, you can uh, reasonably... Uh, it can be... Uh, how do I want to say that? Because the top-down method is based upon community, this community, therefore, refutes, lends itself to refute false doctrine. Okay? So, Paul is writing to Titus to bring up the elders so that they can refute false doctrine. Well, because of the relational, relationship, relational nature of our humanity, I'll say, it, it, we can say that relationship A to refute false doctrine can lead to relationship B strengthening that ref 
refusal, refusion? I don't know. The the way <laughs> it um it just it strengthens out. It, it it builds out. It builds upon the foundation of solid doctrine, the gospel. So. Chapter 1, Paul says, refute false doctrine with good doctrine, with the true gospel. That's your foundation. Upon, after, up, uh, upon that, you build your community. You build each other up into a structure, into a church. But, and this is the application to you and me and us, here, abroad, wherever. Strong community cannot merely exist within the local church or within the regional church or the denomination. It must expand into your local community. It cannot stay pent up within these walls. Community can make or break a church. It just depends on how strong that community is and upon what it is founded. Not too long ago, you guys had your family fun day. That was a great thing. I wasn't there, but I heard all the feedback from it. But as, as an idea, as an activity, as an outreach, that was a fantastic idea of building up the community both within the church, through planning and organizing and running, and without the church, with reaching out to the local community, with providing something free and fun for everyone. <laughs> Um, but let me ask you a rhetorical question. What are other plans that this church has for the local Lebanon community? I don't mean this as a critique. By no means. By no means. It's just a rhetorical question to, to make, to, to kind of uh, bring my point home a little bit. I know that as a church and as a denomination, uh, we're, we are built upon a firm, a firm foundation, upon the gospel. I know it's taught. I know it's lived out. I can see it. But what does that translate into when we leave here? When we go home, when we go back to work, we go few months, I'm going back to school. What does it translate into? What, what, it, I, I don't know what you guys do at work. I don't know what you guys do at home. That's just, again, it's just a rhetorical question. Um, is, here's another rhetorical question I thought of. Is the local community aware of this local church community? I'd assume that they are because of Family Fun Day, but what about past that? Are, are they aware of 
where we are, what we do, who we are. I, I don't know. Just what, what, um, what is our impression upon the local Lebanon community? My point is, bringing this all back around, sound doctrine will lead to sound community, not only within the church, but outside the church as well. Consider it, consider it a continual challenge. And I, I would open that challenge to any church. If I, if I had to do this, if I had to say exactly what I said tonight somewhere else, if it was uh, the church I attend when I'm at school, I would give the same, I would, I would give the same, uh, same challenge. That is to, you know, uh, that the community that we have within our church how does it translate outside the church? What does it look like to those outside? I know that our internal community is good. I know that I know that the gospels teach. I know that the gospel is taught. I I know that the older men teach the younger men. I know that the older women teach the younger women. I I can see great growth in our kids and teens, and uh, that's really great. And I, I really enjoy, I'm really happy and really proud that this church is so large and so strong. But you have to, you have to understand why I, why I say this, because the church I attend in Langhorne is very small. We only have like 50-some regular people. So most of them are college students who aren't really around all the time. They go home at the end of the semester. They go home for a month in December. It's, it's been a rough stretch for that church. And uh, as, I was, as I was studying for this and as I was planning and writing, I really, really had that church in mind as I was, as I was looking at this and thinking about this. Because as I, as I think about what their needs are, it's, it's part of this. It is, it is really a lot of this. And so, I commend you. I commend, I commend the Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church on where it stands, on what it is. But don't forget that there is a community that you exist in. I would like to finish, again, with a prayer from Valley of Vision. If you will pray with me. Thou God of my end, thou hast given me a fixed disposition to go forth and spend my life for thee. If it be thy will, let me proceed in it. If not, then revoke my in intentions. All I want in life is such circumstances as may best enable me to serve thee in the world. To this end, I leave all my concerns in thy hand. But let me not be discouraged for this hinders my spiritual fervency. Enable me to undertake some task for thee, 
For this refreshes and animates my soul, so that I could endure all hardships and labors, and willingly suffer for thy name. But oh, what a death it is to strive and labor, to be always in a hurry and yet do nothing. Alas, time flies and I am of little use. Oh, that I could be a flame of fire in thy service, always burning out in one continual blaze. Fit me for singular usefulness in this world. Be fit fit me to exult in distresses of every kind if they but promote the advancement of thy kingdom. Fit me to quit all hopes of the world's friendship and give me a deeper sense of my sinfulness. Fit me to accept just as desert from as just fit me to accept as just desert from thee any trial that may befall me. Fit me to be totally resigned to the denial of pleasures I desire and to be content to spend t- my time with thee. Fit me to pray with a sense of the joy of divine communion, to find all times happy seasons to my soul, to see my own nothingness, and wonder that I am allowed to serve thee. Fit me to enter the blessed worlds where no unclean thing is, and to know thee with me always. Amen. Good evening. <clears throat> 